We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid Death. Are you thirsty? Parched? Do you like dark and eerie sinister names for your beverages? Then you'll love Liquid Death. Go to liquiddeath.com. Use the promo code BIGBLUE. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Bellato. Today we are joined by a special guest. That's former NFL safety, Glow Quinn. He's here. He covers the Lions for Believe in Lions. We are here to preview the Giants-Lions game. Lions coming off a two-game win streak. We're very excited for this game. Lions playing probably some of the best football they have of the season. So before we get into some questions about the game, the position, and some scheme stuff. I wanted to ask you, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. So are we, my man. And so I want to dive right into this thing because the Lions are a really interesting team. Like the Giants, they run a lot of cover one. Like the Giants, they run a lot of man coverage. Actually, according to True Media, the Lions run run the fourth most, the fourth highest man coverage so uh, rate in the NFL so far this year behind the Giants, Dolphins, and Patriots in that order. Should the Giants be expecting another man-heavy game plan from the Lions, or have they tried to do some different things in their two-game winning streak as far as mixing coverages? I think you should expect probably to to get some man-to-man. I think a lot of times, you know, when you have younger DBs, it's easier to put them in man-to-man. Um, a lot of times you get into a bunch of different zones, things like that. You could have a lot of miscommunications, which can lead to a lot of big plays. So sometimes it's easier just to say, okay, you get your guy, you got your guy. So at least we know that everybody is covered. Um, And I think the Lions have been covering well. Um, They've been playing well the last two games, especially on defense. Um, Jeff Okuda gets his first uh, pick six last week. So they've been playing well defensively. Um, That gives the the D-line a little more time to get there. hopefully not having guys open immediately like you could have in some zones. So I would I would expect to see, you know, especially trying to slow down Saquon Barkley, I would expect to see, you know, a bunch of man-to-man coverage on the outside and probably a stacked box for Saquon. It makes a lot of sense. One thing that the New York Giants have had success against man coverage is Daniel Jones and his legs. We saw, what was it, 147 yards by Justin Fields last week. Is that more of an anomaly, or have the Detroit Lions defense struggled with running quarterbacks throughout the season? Um, I mean, they've kind of struggled with it all year. You know, starting out week one when they played against the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts kind of controlled the game 
um, running on third downs, getting key first downs. And then you go back to week two when they played against the, the commanders. At that time, they had Carson Wentz as the quarterback, and they still made it them because Carson Wentz was not more of a scrambling quarterback. And so when you look at Justin Fields, you look at, um, you know, Daniel Jones coming up, even Aaron Rodgers broke out for a few few big runs on him as well. So they've struggled this season with the uh, with some scrambling quarterbacks, letting them get out the pocket. But they've had a lot of practice with it because they've played several teams that, you know, have mobile quarterbacks to an extent. So I would hope that they've, you know, continue to practice on it, been been working on that and make that a point of emphasis that we can't let Daniel Jones get out the pocket and beat us because, I mean, we saw, I don't know if it was last year, maybe the year before, that, you know, he can potentially go 82 yards or yeah. whatever it was before his legs gave out on us. <laughs> well, a question on that, yeah, everyone remembers that moment. Not as infamous as another New York moment for a New York quarterback, the butt fumble, Mark Sanchez. But <laughs> on that note, basically last week, for example, on on mostly most of the third and longs, we saw zone coverage against the Giants, but there was a man coverage rep on third and 10 where – Jones confirmed uh, man coverage for the snap. He put, I think it was Wondell Robinson in motion. And then just within really like a second of, of catching the football, he said, screw it. And he's running and he's taking the B gap. And I feel like that's been a pointing co uh, coaching point of emphasis this year for the giants. As far as look, take the B gap as a, as a quarterback, if you don't like what you see and you're seeing man coverage. And so, Although the runs have been slowed down on the boot action lately for Daniel Jones, because uh, defensive ends and the end man line scrimmage have been playing it a little bit more, you know, wisely, we still see some of the runs against man coverage. Has Detroit done anything to kind of counter that? Because if they're playing man coverage, what's the best way as a defense you can also kind of contain a quarterback? Is there any kind of like we've seen anything like spies or anything like that from the Lions that have kind of adjusted to take away like these rushing quarterbacks on third downs? Well, I mean, I didn't really see much of a spy last week okay. when they played against the with uh, the, the the Bears. Um, I'm assuming they did. Um, but, yeah, you, you know, you have to just mix it up. You know, if you can get good pressure with the quarterback and if you if you can have, um, you know, I don't know how you want to call it, but if the D-line rush in the way that they're supposed to rush, it all kind of works out because generally you want to flush the quarterback out of the pocket to a certain side. So some quarterbacks are better going left. Some quarterbacks are better going to the right. So you want to flush the quarterback to the side that they're not very good at. You want to close the pocket down so they can't just step up and gash you down the middle, but you want to flush them to a certain side, and you generally will have a linebacker or a defensive lineman that's looping or you know containing to that side to where you're trying to force them to. So you will see a bunch of different things like that. You'll see some some you know the more you can mix things up, um, it 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 helps contain a quarterback. It helps slow down um, his his progression, his reads. And any kind of indecision gives you a little more time to get there. So I think we'll see a lot of things like that. We'll see some blitzes. You'll see some some four-man pressures. You'll see some man coverage. You'll see a little zone mix in there. And I'm sure you'll see a spy here and there as well because Daniel Jones, like we have talked about, he is that quarterback that can, can sneakily beat you on third downs by running for first downs. Yep. How how have the Lions defended the zone read game? Because Houston was really disciplined against the New York Giants last week, and Daniel Jones handed the football off every single time, which removes a player that Saquon Barkley has to deal with from the backside. So how have the Lions handled the zone read game? Are they typically disciplined with the quarterback and their gap? 
Well, it just all depends on what the game plan is. You know, last week you look at the first play of the game, Justin Fields runs his own read, and then next thing you know, he's outside the back, you know, he's out the back door running for a 30, 40-yard game. And that was kind of concerning because you know they probably went through the whole week of practice emphasizing not letting Justin Fields beat them in the run game, not let Justin Fields beat them in the run game. And then for that to happen on the first play of the game was very concerning, but I felt like they did an okay job for the most part of the game, but they did give up two big plays. I mean, I think the the big run that Justin Fields had for a touchdown was a zone read. So um, they didn't defend it super great last week um, for whatever reason, whatever the game plan was. um, They didn't defend it super, super great. And this week is a different challenge because, you know, last week the running back was not Saquon Barkley. You know what I'm saying? So, when you're handing it off to Saquon Barkley, you have to respect the running back because I'm sure they would much rather have Daniel Jones running with the ball than Saquon Barkley screaming down the middle of the field with it. So I don't know what their game plan will specifically be this week, but whatever it is, it, it has to be more effective than what it was last week. One of the things we do here on the Big Blue Banter Podcast Glow is we break down the film week to week, and then we put it up and we break it down on YouTube, but One thing I want to ask you as someone who's actually played the game at the highest level and can give more insight from a player's perspective from the safety position right now, the giants had their leader, their best safety, Xavier McKinney. He got injured. And so now a rookie Dane Belton is in and he's playing, he played hundred percent of the snaps last week. So he's now in that full-time role from your perspective. And this is what, you know, listeners of the podcast would want to know as you're watching the film, right? You're watching both angles the overhead angle, the the end zone angle. Let's just say for this example, that sideline angle, what should we be watching trying to learn the game as as far as if we're watching a safety, what should we be looking for safety? Should we be looking at how he uses his eyes, where he moves post-snap rotations, things like that? What should we be watching? Um, well, it's a lot of different things, okay. you know, and if you, if you really want to learn a game, it all depends on what, what, what part of the game you want to learn, because as a safety, there's a lot of different things that go into it from, pre-snap communication, pre-snap alignment, technique, footwork, your disguise, right? Your entry angle on tackles, your entry angle on on passes, um, different things like that that go into being an efficient and effective safety. So the things, the things for me that I wanted to, to put on film was consistency in my pre-snap looks. You know, a lot of teams, a lot of safeties, they like to disguise, Right. So a lot of times if a quarterback, well, if a safety is rolling down to the the flats or rolling down to the, the curl flat area in the cover three, a lot of times they like to show too high, make the quarterback think they're in cover two. And then at the snap of the ball, they roll down and play cover three. Or if they're in cover two, they like to show down like a little tilt, like a single high. And at the snap of the ball, they roll to a cover two. Um, I was more of the ones that I wanted the, every play to look the same. Every time the quarterback looked at me, I wanted him to see me basically in the same position, whether I was playing cover three, whether I was playing cover four, whether I was playing cover two, whether I was playing anything. I wanted it to look the exact same. But I grew up, when I say grew up, I mean I, I was a rookie first, second-year player in the league, and I was playing the nickel position. I was playing for the Houston Texans, and we were playing against Peyton Manning twice a year, right? And Peyton Manning would literally look at me the entire pre-snap. Like, when he's trying to figure out what coverage we're in, like, he's literally looking right at me. Like, I can see him. 
He's yeah. looking right at me. He 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 was looking at me so he could see are they in cover two? Are they in cover four? Are they in man to man? Okay. Looks like okay, this alignment. He looks like okay, they're in cover four. And he would do play fakes. He would do things to put me in very, 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 very difficult situations based off what he thought we was in and what he knew my run responsibilities would be. So after dealing with Peyton Manning for those years when I was younger, I got to the point where I was like, okay, these good quarterbacks know. They can look at film and say, okay, he shows opposite. Because I do the same thing as a safety when I look at quarterbacks. I'm looking at, okay, when he's throwing a deep ball, do he look right at the deep ball or is he a lookoff guy? Right? Is he is he gonna come out looking to his left just to hit his back foot and turn and throw it to his right? right. Or is he gonna come out looking to his right, hit his back foot and throw it to his right? Because if he if he's a lookoff guy, when he's when he's bagging up and he's looking to his left, I'm not taking off to his left because I'm expecting him to look to his left and then come back and go to his right. Um, but if he's if he's a true look guy, then I'm like, okay, well, he came out looking to his right. I'm expecting him to go to his right because that's what I've studied and that's what he's shown me all week. So you get these quarterbacks, they look and they study you and they say, hey, every time he's playing cover two, he starts down in the tilt. Every time he's rolling down in the tilt, he starts in a too high. So then when you get in the game and you roll down to a tilt and then snap of the ball, you sprint back to a too high, he's going to say, okay, yeah, he's doing exactly what I've been. So now they got you. Now they're going to, Every time you showing down, they're gonna know. Okay, he's rolling out there. He's gonna he's going to cover too. I can tell. So you just want to make sure your looks are the same. You want to see their eyes, right? What 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 are they looking at? Are they seeing the ball? We used to always say eyes before feet, right? Make sure you see where you're going before you just take off running. A lot of times you see safeties, they take off running. They don't know where the ball is at. They don't know where they're going. They just run it. So make sure you see where you're going. That means finding your angle, right? Are are you breaking an angle on a slant? Are you breaking an angle on a dig? Are you breaking an angle on a curl route? All those angles are different. So you got to see your angle before you can before you can go. So it's a lot of little things like that that you can watch as a as a if you're watching film to see, okay, is this safety really good? Is he efficient? His footwork? Is he running all over the place? Is he, you know, circling out of his breaks? Like what is his entry angle? Is he making his tackles easier? Because it's already tough to tackle in space, right? Where you're tackling the best runners in the world. Um, but you can do things to make it easier for you, right? Is he making his tacklers his tackles easier? Or is he making it more difficult on himself because of his run reads, because of his angles of entry, all those different things? So it's a lot to kind of put into one question and how, how you answer that. But I would say looking at his pre-snap alignment, looking at how he moves to his final position. Awesome. That was an excellent answer. Glover, I wanted to ask you just because in the beginning of Dan's question, he he talked about Xavier McKinney and Xavier McKinney. He's promising and he could be one of the best safeties in the league one day. He's no longer there because he broke his hand on the ATV accident. Dane Belton, like Dan said, played every snap last week. Do you think the offensive coaching staff of the Detroit Lions is going to look at Dane Belton being out there and be like, okay, we are going to attempt to manipulate this defense and create explosive plays whenever he is in single high or whenever he has a certain responsibility. Because last week, run fit, there was a 44-yard rush by Damian Pierce. He took a really bad angle, and that was one reason why what could have been a nine-yard rush turned into a 44-yard rush. You think that the Lions will attempt to exploit that possible liability? Oh, no question. I mean, if they feel like there's a weakness that they can exploit, they're going to try it. 
and you know they may try it early in the game or they may try it late in the game but if they feel like that's a possibility they're definitely going to try it they're going to set things up throughout the game to see how he responds how he how he how he's playing certain things that he learned from last week is he better this week um they're going to try all those things and, and I wouldn't be surprised if they don't if they don't try it early in the game as far as the pre-snap versus post-snap processing I've been told from you know people who I respect people who I think know this game really well that the safety is actually the most important position. Every quarterback reads from safety down, and you kind of brought that up when you're talking about Peyton Manning. One thing I've seen quarterbacks improve on in my time kind of studying the game is what they can do before the snap, right? Like you talked about it, some of the recognition. But post-snap processing, this is where I want to get your take having played the football game. I've heard two sides of it. I've heard one side is it's natural. Quarter, some quarterbacks see the field, and they naturally have a good feel for the field post-snap. And then I've heard the other side of it, which is quarterbacks can improve in their post-snap processing, and they could start to see the field better as they learn more time. Do you feel like this is more of a – because as you watch some of these quarterbacks, man, like Joe Burr, like some quarterbacks, to me, it seems like get it, and some quarterbacks don't have it on the other side of that. And I'm curious that for having played the game, what you think as far as post-snap processing goes from the quarterbacks as you've seen it having played it? Well, I think a lot of it goes into the defenders. Okay. I think the defenders can make it easy for the quarterback, and I think they can make it difficult for the quarterback. So if you have young uh, DBs who don't really understand the game, they can make it very easy for the quarterbacks. If you have veteran receivers, I mean veteran DBs, that can make it more difficult. If you, It depends on the receivers that you're facing as well because what I mean is, quarterbacks can see the game happens very fast right so quarterbacks can see quick movements right so at the snap of the ball said hut boom the quarterback's looking at you if you're a young guy and you know you're playing the middle third guess what you're doing when they snap the ball you're running to the middle third right so mm-hmm. the quarterback's going to see that quickly. So now he knows there's a rotation, right? Right. And if you're running to the middle, that means the other guy is not running to the middle, right? So they know right now, okay, you're running to the middle. Is it a cloud cover three or is it a safety cover three, right? Because you can have a cornerback up in third and you get one safety roll into the other third, the other safety roll to the middle, and then the other corner has the third, right? But they know it's a rotation. And for quarterbacks, cover one versus cover three is almost the same thing. They're going to work back sides to single coverage, right? That's where they're going. Um, but if you think about it, for quarterbacks, if you just pause for a split second at the snap of the ball, it creates a split second of indecision for the quarterback. Because at the snap of the ball, when he's looking at you, you don't move. Right. So now he don't know. Was this quarters? This cover two? He's still standing in one spot. Right? But you can only do that based off of, for one, your talent. For two, your understanding of the defense. Three, your understanding of the offense and the different weapons and where you may have to go. Right? If you are the middle field safety and you're coming from the left side of the field and you know, they have Tyreek Hill on the right side of the field. You probably want to get to the middle a lot faster because you won't get over the top of that corner, you know, before the ball can get there because that's a long way to run. But if I'm the middle field safety and Tyreek Hill is to my side, 
well, I'm not thinking about rolling all the way to the middle anyway because I'm going to still favor to Tyreek's Hill side. So I don't have very far to go to to even get to my middle. So I'm going to hold back here for a half a second and make the quarterback think, oh, they double-teaming him. Oh, they playing some kind of too high. They got two safeties over there. And you take that look away, and then you run to the middle. Because the quarterback, they don't like making mistakes going down the middle of the field. And so they don't want to throw it down the middle late. So if you give them a a true read and they know they can go down the middle, they're going to hit you down the middle. But if you cloud it up just a little bit and they don't know right off the snap, they're going to be a little less quickly to turn that ball loose going down the middle of the field. So that's one thing I used to do. They would say hut, and I would just kind of pause for a little bit. Because if they do if they do play action, if you watch Tom Brady or some of those guys, when they get the snap, before they turn around to fake it to the quarter to running back, they take a quick peek at the safety. They get the snap, they look, and then they turn, right? They're trying to see right now, did somebody roll down or did somebody roll back, right? Because now they know. But if you pause for a second, when they take the snap and they look at you, you're not even moving. So now when they turn it back to you, they don't know what you're in. And then once they fake the ball and they turn around, now they look up trying to throw the ball. They st- Now they got to figure out, is it cover two? Is it cover three? Is it cover one? Is it cover four? Because you didn't give them any indication of where you were going. So I think a lot of it has to do with the safeties and how much movement you do on the back end. If you can be subtle in your movement and not just – all whack and out of place, then you can make it very difficult for the quarterback to know if you're in quarters, if you're in cover one, cover two, cover three. But it takes some veteran guys with confidence and understanding of the offense and the defense to be able to do that. I wanted to ask you that, Glover. How many players around the league, how many defensive backs around the league you think fully comprehend and understand that? Not a lot. Okay. (laughs) Not a lot. And that's interesting, too, because that's something maybe, you know, it's coaching or it's natural. It's hard to really or maybe it's all just on the player of learning that type of thing. But that makes such a difference, I feel like, in the, in the game. And it's interesting. On that note, as a safety, we're, we're this is just something we're curious about. I know Nick put it in his notes, and I was curious about asking you about this, too. Is there a specific type of coverage you liked playing specifically? Like, did you like being the middle field close safety? Did you like playing in, a, in more of like a cover two shell or anything like that? Was there something you specifically like to do, rotate down to the box? I mean, I like playing quarters. Okay. Um, you know, I like playing, you know, middle field safety. Um, and then I like playing – I didn't like playing really drop in as like a curl flat defender, but I like playing drop in as like a one robber. Like if you're playing man-to-man, but you're kind of like the middle – the low hold help defender. I like playing that. Quarters. I didn't really like playing cover two. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I liked when you were in quarters. What exactly did you like about it? Was it a lot of like, like a two read type of system where you were reading the release of the number two and then reacting? And if it was, if the, say, if you were reading a tight end, he was going to block, you knew it was your run fit and it kind of gave you a little cheat up to, to execute your run support. Yeah. Well, so when you play in quarters, so when you, when you talk about a two read type of concept, you, you're talking more of. We used to call it more like a deuce concept. We didn't call that cover two because you could be playing cover two in a sense, or you could be playing quarters. And what I mean by that is if if you if I'm reading cover if I'm reading number two, then the corners read number two. So it, we used to always say if two is up, then you're up. Meaning 
If that corner is reading number two, if number two goes vertical, that means the corner has to stay up on number one, right? And that means the safety has to stay on number two. Well, if number two goes short, right, then the corner sits. And once the corner sits, now one, the, the, the safety has to get over the top of number one. So you get these offenses that kind of do stuff in the gray area because they know the rules. They know, hey, if he goes at like eight yards, we may get some indecision. The corner might come off, but the safety might feel like that was vertical, and now there's nobody running with number one down the middle of the field, right? So offenses kind of jack with you a little bit. And that's more of like a, a re-concept. You know what I'm saying? A lot of teams call it palms. A lot of teams call it, you know, just different things like that. Um, but when you're playing true cover four, when you're playing true cover four, well, then the corner has number one. The safety has two to one. Or he can go two to three, depending on the formation. So if they come out in a basic doubles formation where they got two wide receivers to your side or tight end wide receiver, just two eligible guys, the corner is going to have number one vertical. And the safety is going to have number two vertical, right? But the safety is reading two to one. So if two goes short, then he's looking to double team number one, right? If two goes up, then he covers number two. And then for the corner, you are on number one. If number one goes vertical, you got him. But if number one runs a slant, you don't technically have him, right? Somebody else have him. You got the slant and go because you're a deep defender, right? So I used to love playing quarters, Deuce concepts, they could get tricky. You got to have a lot of practice with your corner, with your with your defense, so y'all can be on the same page. Because, like I said, offenses know, and they give you that gray area. They give you that gray area to make you uncomfortable. Um, so when you when you understand quarters and you understand the different rules, you know what I'm saying? Because if I got three guys to my side, then I'm going to lock the corner because I'm not going two to one because I got three guys. So I'm going two to three because that linebacker is probably carrying number three, right? So if they go two verticals, then I'm staying in the middle of the tight end and the wide receiver vertical. But if the the number two receiver goes short, then instead of me going to number one, my eyes are going to go to number three because if they go, if number two goes short, number three is probably going vertical, right? So when number two goes short, I'm going to slide into number three to help the linebacker out. But I got to lock the corner to let him know, hey, you're on your own. You don't have me helping you on a slant route. You may have uh, a low inside defender help you on a slant route, but you're not going to have me helping you. So you're probably going to be on your own for the most part. So just little stuff like that that I liked in quarters. You had a lot of different calls you can make, control, and things that you can do. Nothing better than talking pattern match with somebody who was an all pro back in 2014, <laughs> man. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I wanted to ask, though, maybe we should transition a little bit back to the Lions. And we brought up Jeffrey Okuda. He was the, what, third overall pick back in 2020. He had his first pick six last week against Justin Fields. How has he progressed? I know he suffered pretty serious injuries throughout his career. How has he looked this season? Man, he's actually looked really good this season. You know, he's 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 gotten better and better each and every week. He's his confidence has grown each and every week, and you can see it showing up on the field. I don't think he's I don't think he came out of college as a ball hawk. I think he came out of college as a good player, talented, physical, great size, speed, things like that. I don't think he came out of college as a ball hawk. So I don't think we expect him to catch 
seven, eight interceptions, but I think you expect him to play good, physical, fundamental, technical football, and he's been doing that. He's been tackling well all year. I think he had a game against the Cowboys. I think he had 14, 15 tackles in one game, and a lot of times when you see that from a corner, you think he was getting roasted in the past game, but he was just the way – the, the way that the Cowboys were formation in them, they were running to his side, and he was the unblocked guy in the box, and he made tackle after tackle on Zeke and Tony Pollard and different plays like that. So he, he's he been playing well uh, these last two weeks. He's been, you know, having more of a nose for the football. And a lot of times that come with time and confidence. Like you said, his first two years he had injuries, you know, changing coaches and things like that. So it's kind of hard to get comfortable in a system and in, and in your role. And now, you know, he's in his third year, which is really game-wise, probably just finished up his first year if you want to talk about 16, 17 games because I know last year he got hurt in week one. And then um, the year before that, I can't remember exactly when he got hurt, but I would say he probably just finished up playing a full six, 17, 18 games um, in his career. And you can see him getting more confident on the field his alignments are a lot better. His his swag is a lot better. You can see him feeling like, okay, I can go and make a play. And it's nothing better than, you know, last week he got a forced fumble, ripped the ball out. They didn't they didn't get to recover it, but he ripped the ball out. And then to come back this week and you get a pick six. So that that's only gonna just boost his confidence even more. And I wouldn't be surprised if he don't catch in another two picks in the next three or four games because they generally come in bunches. Yeah, obviously not this week since the Giants are playing them, but I am happy I to know. see. He, he might get one this week. Oh, no, I didn't mean that. I mean, he could easily <laughs> get one this week, despite the fact the Giants are actually yeah. at a ridiculously league-low rate from an interception standpoint, which you don't expect when you hear the name Daniel Jones. But quite frankly, they're just not throwing the football very often. I mean, Well, you we'll, don't have we'll to throw get, it as much when you got uh, Saquon Barkley. Exactly. And so they're just playing to their strengths as an, as an offense, which is something we hadn't seen in the past from this coaching staff, the past coaching staff. So it's obviously a good thing to see, but I just wanted to say, I'm happy to see that Akuda is, has made, because everybody, you know, people are so quick to call these players busts. I mean, look, he was billed as like a can't miss prospect. His footwork looked phenomenal at the collegiate level, but you got to give these guys time, especially when the injuries do like take a toll on their career. So Hopefully he doesn't get his pick six this week is all I was saying, because uh, obviously as Giants fans, we don't want that to happen. But I wanted to pivot a little to the Lions run defense, actually, because Lions are ranked 31st in rushing yards allowed right now. And we saw last week against the 32nd team in rushing yards allowed the Texans. The Giants just simply said, we're going to run the football. You know, we're going to run the football and we don't care that you know this. And they had there were I mean, there were some personnel groupings Glover with eight offensive linemen on the field for the Giants. I had never seen that in my life of covering the sport. There were some six offensive linemen using like backup lineman Nick Gates as a tight end. So I was kind of curious to get your take on why the Lions have struggled so much in run defense because we have seen uh, a league-wide, it's the, the NFL as general whole right now is allowing 4.53 yards per carry, which is the highest yards per carry average as a league in the history of the NFL at this point. And that number jumps a full yard and a half more yards per carry allowed on power and gap concepts across the NFL. So I thought those numbers were super interesting. We're seeing a lot of teams put stress at the second and third levels with the power and gap concepts, but also from the Lions' standpoint, is that have they struggled with power gap? Have they struggled with zone? What's been the issue for this run defense? Um, I I don't think they've struggled as much with the power game. I I think the interior and and, and the way teams have tried to attack them in the run game. I think they've held up pretty well. I think you look at last week, you know, Justin Fields, the quarterback 
breaks off 140 right. some yards that makes it very difficult you look at the week one you know i don't know exactly how many rushing yards um justin fields had but those numbers make it very difficult you look at the running game you know they played dalvin cook he i don't even know if he got over 100 he was probably right there at it um but they haven't really played against anybody that just gashed them you know with this running back that just killed him that i can recall um, like I said, they played against the Cowboys. I don't remember Zeke, you know, putting up numbers like that. But I think, you know, when you play in a game and, you know, you haven't been winning. Um, so a lot of those other teams are in control so they can just run the ball an entire game. Right. You never got into a situation where you took the run game away. Right. You go up two or three touchdowns on a team, then. You get what we saw a couple weeks ago. You get Tom Brady throwing the ball almost 60 times. You get Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball 63 times in a game because they've taken away the run game and we're down three scores or we're down 14 points and we need to start throwing the ball. I don't think the Lions have done that. Even in games where the Lions have put up 35 points, then they've given up. 38 points and things like that. So they've never got to a point to where a team has felt like they didn't have to run the ball. And if you run the ball, you know, 25, 30 times a game, you're getting two or three yards a pop, you know what I'm saying? You're going to be up over 100 at some point, and then you throw in a couple quarterback runs. But I can't think of any running back that just watching the game, I'm like, dude, this guy's just killing him in the run game. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I can't yeah. think of anyone like that. Um but when you look at the numbers, they're at the bottom. And I think a lot of it has to do with some of the quarterback runs and just the way their games have gone. But I think if they try to run straight out of them, like downhill, I think they'll be able to hold up. Their best bet would probably be the zone game, trying to get to the edge, trying to trying to see, you know, you get pass rushers like Aiden Hutchinson, you know, can he hold up in the run game, which should be something that they try to see. Can we run at him on the stretch game? and see if we can, you know, make some cuts off of him. But I think if they try to come downhill, I I think the line should be able to hold up. Glover, you brought up Aiden Hutchinson, and he's probably always going to be compared with the Giants' fifth overall selection, Kayvon Thibodeau. What has Aiden Hutchinson, or how has Aiden Hutchinson performed this season? Are you impressed? Is there anything that he can improve on? I mean, he's played well. You know, he's played like a rookie. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when I say you play like a rookie, you're going to have some inconsistencies, right? You come out week one against Jalen Hurts, and, you know, that's his first game. And, you know, you don't really hear his name called very much. Then you come back week two against, you know, the commanders, and he got three sacks, right? So he's been kind of up and down in that regard, but these last couple weeks he's made some big plays, had a big interception against Aaron Rodgers, come back last week, and they tried to hit him kind of on the same type of play and he feathered it off, that's what allowed Jeff Okuda to to get the pick six because Justin Fields wanted to throw it to the tight end, but Aiden Hutchinson backed off into that passing lane, and so Justin Fields had to hold it, and he ended up making an errant throw, and just and, uh, Jeff Okuda was able to pick it off. So he's gotten better and better, and, and that's what you expect from a rookie, you know what I'm saying? The thing that you love about him, though, his desire to 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 win, his, his work ethic, his love for the city and the team of Detroit – those are things that that you love and you know that you can build on. And he's going to continue to get better. The more guys he plays, the more the more games he plays, the more guys he faces. He's going to continue to get better. And I think he's a great cornerstone piece for the Detroit Lions. 
Yeah, I want to flip it to the other side of the ball, too. We have talked a lot about the Lions defense and how it might match up against the Giants in this one. But the Lions offense is nothing to shake your head at. I mean, they've done an excellent job building the way that I like to build a roster out, at least if I ever had the opportunity to, which is from the inside out with the offensive line. And I want to talk about this offensive line because earlier in the season, they were getting a lot of accolades for really dominating the line of scrimmage. I think at one point, this was maybe through six games, the Lions were averaging more yards before contact as as a rushing unit than after con than than any team was averaging overall, which was an absolutely insane number. Is the has the offensive line still dominated up front? And what should we expect from the Lions from a game planning standpoint? Is this still going to be a run heavy game script for the Lions, or will they look to kind of beat you with those deep overs in the play action game? Well, I think I think the Lions offense offensive line has has performed well when they were healthy, and you know they've dealt with injuries. Along that old line, but I think you know when you look at Taylor Decker, you look at Frank Ragnall, you look at you know some of those other guys, uh, Pinay Sewell that they got on the on the uh, on the old line. They got some big beef up 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 front, and you know they can run the ball. They they take pride in that, and that's a big part of the offense. That's what allows the deep overs. That's what allows the play action game to be effective. Is when you can run the ball. Um, and so Jamal Williams has been running the ball well. You know, DeAndre Swift has been dealing with injuries last, you know, few weeks. He's working his way back in. Amon Rossane Brown is doing the same thing. And so when you can get the run game going and then you get those crossers, you get those play action passes, you get all those things going. But you got to you got to be able to establish the the run game. And that's and, you know, you you never really hear this as much. But that's a lot of that has to do with the defense as well because like i said you come out against the giants and you go down 14 no real quick it's going to be difficult to stick and say hey we got to stay get the run game going because you're going to feel like we need to score some points right so if the Lions can hold up defensively and allow them to continue to be able to run the ball continue to be able to do that then that's going to make things easier for them and it's going to make things easier for jared Goff. he's not the quarterback that you want to have to drop back and pass the ball 25, 30 times. He's somebody that you want to get him in play action and let him get some of those wide open targets and force him to only have to make, you know, two or three great throws in a game. You don't want a quarterback to have to make eight or nine great throws. And I'm not talking about a typical throw that they throw it to wide receivers. This is the NFL. They all should be able to make typical throws. I'm talking about those great throws, those plays that you're like, wow, you don't want the quarterback to have to make eight or nine of those in a game. You want him to have to make that two or three times because the run game is open. The run game is effective. And so you're throwing to a lot of open wide receivers. And when I say open, I'm not talking wide open, nobody around them, but I'm talking in the NFL. If you got a yard of separation, you're an open wide receiver and every quarterback should be able to make those throws. Um, And so if you can keep that right there, then the Lions offense is 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 high caliber. So I feel like they got to be to get the run game going. Their O-line plays right into that. Glover, I have to ask, though, what's exactly is going on with DeAndre Swift? I don't think he was on the injury yeah. report listed last Friday, and I know his uh, workload has been a little limited. But can you speak on the tandem of Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift? And do you expect more carries for DeAndre Swift this week against the Giants? Yeah, I would expect more this week, you know, couple weeks ago he had an ankle injury had a shoulder injury and you know he's been working his way back 
And I mean, as far as the injury report goes, as long as you're practicing all the reps that you normally would get, they're not going to put you on the injury report. They don't mean your shoulder is all the way healthy. Mm-hmm. That just means you're healthy enough to where you can practice and you don't have to miss practice. Doesn't mean your ankle is all the way healthy. That just means you're healthy enough to where we don't have to put you on the injury report, right? If you're typically would take 40 reps in a day, but we hold you to 20 reps, then they got to put you on the injury report as a limited you know, participant, you got a shoulder, yada, yada, yada. But if he can take what his normal load would be, then they're not going to put him on the injury report. That doesn't mean he's all the way healthy. So he's been dealing with those things. And, you know, he came back, like I said, a couple of games, you can see um, that he was favoring the shoulder a little bit. Didn't want to get hit as much. You don't see mm-hmm. as crisp of cuts with the ankle. But last week he looked pretty good. He had a nice run for a touchdown. And you see a couple good, a couple better runs, a couple passes out the backfield. So he's worked his way back into it. So I think next week, you know, we will see a little more of, you know, DeAndre Swift and they'll get back probably to the role that they had been with DeAndre Swift basically carrying the load for the most part and Jamal Williams handling the tough short yardage goal line type of things. I think that's why you look up and you see Jamal Williams got eight or nine touchdowns because when they get inside the five, you know, they're giving it to him to pound it in. We want to be cognizant of your time, Glover, so we're going to get you out of here really quickly. But I want to ask you one more question at least about who I think is the biggest X factor in this game, and that's Amon Ross St. Brown. Obviously, those who have followed his career know that he was day three draft pick, and he won't he won't let anyone forget all the receivers who were drafted ahead of him. <laughs> but as someone who's played the position or played defensive back, I know you were a safety, but still, you've seen it all. You've seen the game. What makes him special? Because he doesn't have the, you know, at least it's not like the fastest 40-yard dash. He's not creating vertical separation like a Tyreek Hill. He's not, you know, somebody who has like the most amazing leaping ability or anything like that. What makes him so special as a wide receiver and so effective? Well, I mean, a lot of it's your offense and the system and the things that they're asking you to do. Um, so what they're asking him to do in that system fits right into what he loves to do. He's a physical guy, even though he's small, he's physical. So he don't mind getting into the run game and blocking. And when you can do that, that allows you to be able to get open a lot more in play action game because those nickel defenders that are covering you, they got to respect you as a blocker, right? So when you go down the block, 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 and then all of a sudden you release across the field, you can get open. And he's done a very good job of being able to catch the balls across the middle, good hands. You know, they give him the ball in the backfield, they give him the ball out on the edge. You know, he makes big plays on third down, getting just getting open, being able to create separation, like I said, in the NFL. If you can get one or two yards of separation, you're wide open. And so he's been able to do that by his quickness, his speed, and his understanding and, and his willingness to block, I think helps him out. He tries to play a lot more physical than you would expect. And, you know, I think he is one of the key, you know, pieces to the offense. You looked at last week, I think he only had four catches for probably 55 yards. But a lot of those were key third down possessions, three, three I mean, key third down catches where he's keeping the offense on the field. He's moving the chains. And then ultimately, you know, you get a touchdown here or there. So he is a key critical part. And I mean, if he can be healthy, DeAndre Swift can be healthy. The offense is, is, is real, really, 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 really good. Before we get chat of here glover i wanted to ask you one question about the son of bum wade phillips what was it like having him as a defensive coordinator in houston wade was the coolest man <laughs> wade was the coolest man we were going to defensive team meetings and wade didn't have long defensive team meetings so wade <laughs> would come in you know he'll have the practice he'd be looking at the practice 
And when we would go in there away, we wouldn't even unpack our bags. We, we generally wouldn't even take our backpack off because you know Wade's not going to be in there. <laughs> so we would be in there, and Wade might be like, all right, guys, we got to have a good day today. <laughs> um, you got assignments. And you got responsibilities. Everybody might have a different assignment. But our responsibility is to get to the football. <laughs> Break it out. Let's go. And, you know what I'm saying? It'd be every day. It'd be something simple like that where you've been there literally two minutes with Wade. Wade was so cool, but he was so smart. His defense, I loved his defense. That's when I got into the quarter system playing with Wade. And um, it was awesome. He was one of those type of guys where he was like, hey, I want my defensive backs, my linebackers. my de- I want the coaches to coach their guys. Just let me call the plays on Sunday. Just <laughs> coach your guys up on what you want them to do. I'm going to call the plays on Sundays. And so that's that's how he was. So he was way, way was cool. I, I, I had a great time away. Awesome. Well, Glover, thank you so much for taking the time today. This is our best football conversation we've had with a guest since we started doing this series. So I really <laughs> appreciate it. And I will ask you this. You don't have to answer this question. We have some guests answered. Some don't. Do you want to give a score prediction on this game? Oh, this game right here. Well, right. I'm going to say, you know, just looking at a lot of the Giants game, you guys have been down a lot, especially early in the game. You guys are come. You, you guys have a lot of fourth quarter games where you, you're coming back or you're playing tough. You're playing with fire a lot in your games, right? So, and I had you guys picked up there really high, and I'm just like, you know what? They playing with fire each and every week, right? So I'm going to say the Lions have come out, and they're going to score some points. So the Lions are probably put up 30. The Lions are probably put up 34 points. And I'm going to get a Giants. 31 and the Lions. This is going to be my upset pick of the week. Okay. I like the it. Lions, I mean, that would be the, the Lions first. over the Giants in New York. First. Yeah. 34 31. Listen, Glover, that'd be the first time the Giants scored 30 plus all season. So that <laughs> some fans would be but, happy. You know, the Lions defense is, yeah. you know, susceptible to allowing them to score. You know, the Chicago Bears scored 30 points last right. week, too. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. I'm going to say it'd be 30, some 34 31 somewhere in there. Okay, we love it. All right, Glover, while you get out of here, before you do that, tell everyone where they can find your work on social media and where they can find your podcast. Um, So I'm doing a Believe in Lions podcast. You can find us anywhere you possibly basically listen to uh, podcasts. You know, we're on, you know, Instagram. We got the Believe Network. You can find me on Instagram, Glover Quinn. Um, I'm on Twitter at Glover Quinn Jr. Um, I got a multiple pages on my Instagram. So if you just go on there, you can click on it and see all the different things that uh, I'll be doing, I got going on. But football-wise, my first my, my page is Glover Quinn. And, um, yeah, I mean, thank you guys for having me. It was cool. I had a good time playing against the Giants. I caught a couple of interceptions on Eli. Oh, you um, did. <laughs> I, <laughs> I caught a couple of interceptions on Eli. One of them on Monday night in 2014 and oh, one yes. of them. Uh, it might have been a no, Sunday night game, Sunday evening game against uh, – you guys in 2013 so i had a pleasure playing against you guys and you know i love new york awesome well thanks again for joining us have a great rest of your week thanks thank you guys if you like feeling good give liquid death a try i've tried it and i gotta say 
It's refreshing. So go get Liquid Death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash big blue. Please make sure you add the slash big blue. That would be excellent. Liquid Death, murder your thirst. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That was excellent. I mean, that was the best one I think we've done with any former player, Nick. And you could probably attest to that. I thought the coolest thing that you could, I want you to touch on, if if because we just discussed this before, uh, joining back into this recording was just how Glover talked about how the safeties move post snap, right? It's like, you can see it with the giants too. And talk about what you've noticed with Julian love and with Dane Belton against, uh, you know, um, in relation to what he just said. Well, Dane Belton hasn't been doing it long, but Julian right. love just throughout love's career. He was always somebody who was a little bit more patient to drop into his coverage. And we know something interesting about wink Martindale's defense is the role of the safety. I mean, they play everywhere. They're up on the line of scrimmage. They're sugaring the a gap. They're off the edge. They're in nickel spot. They're playing the deep half. They're playing the single high. And I do feel like just watching the film, you can see there are times when Julian Love and Xavier McKinney would be really patient off of the play action. And I think it's because of what Glover was just talking about. It's it's disguising your coverage. And I'm sure Wink Martindale, who uses a ton of disguised coverage, is hammering that type of thing home. Whereas Dane Belton's still a young player. Sometimes he'll fly forward. And I'm not sitting here you know, chastising Dane Belton. I think he's going to be fine. But I just think the experience of playing a position like safety really really assists your entire development and your effectiveness. And I think how Glover articulated it made a ton of sense. And I absolutely love the fact that he expounded upon that and the pattern match rules. That's awesome. Yes. So we talk about that on the podcast and it's just so cool to hear that from somebody who has actually played the game. Yeah, it is really cool. It also makes you kind of get a good scope of how, how much of a mental processing, how much mental processing goes into playing the safety position. We always talk about quarterback mental processing, right? Well, the safety is essentially the quarterback of the defense. He may not always wear the green dot. It might be the middle linebacker, but the safety is responsible for so much more. You guys just heard it as Glover broke it down. And as he's talking about those pattern match responsibilities and things of that nature, I'm thinking in my head, and he confirmed it right after because you asked him, which was a great follow-up, Nick, like, how many safeties that you watch that he's watching week to week aren't actually, you know, on that level, on that playing field, processing at that level. And he thinks a lot, like he basically said most of the safeties. And it's really interesting to me to hear that. It's like, what an advantage it gives you to have that sec, you know, that, ex that expert level processing as a safety and what you can do as a defensive coordinator, when you have safeties who are 
thinking at that level and processing at that level. And I think that goes to show I've always felt like safety is one of the more important positions in the NFL. It doesn't always get paid, you know, it's not paid the most or whatever. And people always say don't draft safeties high or whatever. But I don't know. When I hear when I hear things like that and when I hear the actual players break down the game, it seems to me like you're talking about the most important position from a processing standpoint on your defense, snap to snap basis. And now we have a coordinator in here in Wink Martindale who uses quarter and wants to use all these defensive backs on the field at one time. So it's just something to keep in mind as we look forward into this next class and things like that and free agency in the draft. I'll be if the Giants go safety again, they like a safety. They think he's smart. They think he can fit the culture and fit the, you know, tough, smart, dependable. I won't I won't blink an eye because I understand why they're doing it. Think about the amount of times you're watching football and there's a wide receiver who is wide open down the middle and everyone's like, how the heck does he get wide open? Well, these are some of the reasons why they get wide open. Some of these safeties, when you're in those quarters type of coverage, they don't know their assignment until the routes are distributed post snap. They're reading, right? And some of these Offensive coordinators, and we've talked about this with Tyler Lockett against Seattle, right. right? Some of these offensive coordinators are going to run routes and design routes to manipulate the pattern match type of system, and that's going to lead to mistakes. We saw it back when James Betcher was the defensive coordinator and DeAndre Baker, this rookie DeAndre Baker. There were so many explosive plays, some against the Lions, because DeAndre Baker wasn't executing his assignment. And everyone's like, well, why isn't he executing his assignment? It's because it was all between the ears. He didn't fully yes. understand or comprehend where he needed to be and how quickly can he decipher what the wide receivers are doing from a post-snap standpoint. And that's why you need to not just be a dum-dum out there who has a ton of athletic ability. You need to be able to process. I'm just talking to someone like Glover, man. You can just see like that guy gets it. That guy, there's a reason that guy was an all pro back in 2014. And he is one of the more highly processing type of safeties in recent memory. Yeah, I think he was a fourth round draft pick too, either a third or fourth round draft pick. And, you know, you can tell that he's been able to make a career for himself. I think he ran a four or five. He didn't, I'm, I'm not trying to discredit any of his athleticism. I didn't watch his film, but as far as just the, you know, combine numbers and what people are looking for, like the lab built safeties, he wasn't that, but he ended up having a really successful career in all pro season because of what he had in between there. And that's the difference. I almost feel the same way. Similarly, when I'm talking about Xavier McKinney, you know, he didn't run the greatest 40. I know he pulled his hamstring and that's partially why, but he never looked like the fa fastest safety out there at Alabama. He's not the biggest dude ever. He's not built in a lab, but he is one of the smarter players at the position. And that's what helps him. That's what helps make him so valuable to the giants. And here we go. Nick pulled up all of Glover Quinn's career interceptions. We're probably going to see the two that Glover referenced the time, two times he picked off Eli Manning. So that's going to be a little, uh, you know, a little sad for Giants fans, but this is, this will probably give you a good glimpse at some of the interceptions he made just being in the right position at the right time, processing the offense. Yeah. I wish it was the all 22 and these are only 19 of his 24 career interceptions, but still, because remember he played four years for Houston. There's so these Eli. are all Yep. Oh, there it is. That's what he was talking about. He was over the top of OBJ. I think. Or no, no, no. That's not OBJ. It's twelve. I thought it was thirteen. But yeah, no. The Quinn. He was a. I remember him, man. He was a good player, and it was really cool and pretty awesome. That. Oh, here's another interception on the Giants. Oh, geez. Oh, Eli's so yeah. upset. <laughs> and now he's picking off Teddy Bridgewater. All right. The the podcast audience is like, all right. I'm not listening to this idiot. <laughs> idiot. So, but yeah, dude. What are your predictions about yeah. this game? Um, I think. Uh, like for me personally, I don't think it's going to be as highly scoring as, as, as Glover thought. Yeah, Glover predicted 34-31 Lions upset pick of the week. I understand why he's thinking that. Look, the, the Lions and Bears just played a 31-30 game, but it's just not in the nature of the Giants to be in high-scoring games. Detroit has the 31st-ranked run defense. 
Houston had a 32nd ranked run defense. I just don't see any reason why the Giants won't do exactly what they did against the Texans, at least to come out, right? If they don't go down early, if Goff and that offense don't get them going early, I just feel like it's going to be a similar game to last week against the Texans. And that may not be the case. You know, I don't think that Brian Dable and Mike Kafka are listening to the media clippings like the Giants should have thrown the ball more, right? The Giants could have thrown the ball more. Look how good they did when they did throw the ball. I think they're just thinking about it like we won the game with our game plan. And why would we go if it's not broke? Why are we going to fix it? So I think we're going to see another low scoring game for the Giants. I think there will be a little bit more points than against the Texans, because quite frankly, Jared Goff and that offense can move the ball more and they could score more. So I'm going to predict one of the higher scoring Giants games of the season. But I think the Giants will win this one 28 to 24. Yeah, I have 27 to 24. So we're we're really close, right? I think there's going to be a couple of field goals and things of that nature. I think the Giants are going to attempt to establish the run, work the play action, work the middle of the field, take advantage of the linebackers of the Detroit Lions. And also, I'll, I wish we kind of asked him about the safety play because I don't really know much about the two safeties that are going to be out there for the Lions. But there was time. Like, I wanted to know that too, but we just ran. Out. I wanted to also know their personnel. I, we just ran out of time. I know Kirby Joseph is there, and Kirby Joseph is a guy you really liked coming out of this last draft. Yep. He's a ball hawk, so if they do run a lot of single high, maybe Daniel Jones has to be weary of the young kid's range, but I haven't done my film study yet on the Lions as of, what is this, Wednesday morning. But all in all, man, I think the Giants should win this football game, but it's definitely not a certainty. I, I think the Detroit Lions present a much bigger problem than what we saw from the Houston Texans. Yes. The Lions are a much better team than the Texans. They're better personnel-wise. They're better coach. So it will be a tougher game. This is the true trap game versus the Texans game. I don't think it's going to be the same kind of feel like we had last week. We're going to win the whole time. But I do hope the Giants will win, and I think they will win. So we're going with similar score predictions, 28-24 from me, 27-24 from Nick. Thanks so much for tuning into Big Blue Banter Podcast. We hope you liked that interview with Glover Quinn. We'll try to do more of those former players that kind of in- who can provide that kind of insight again. Otherwise, great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.